a season of active waiting, preparing our hearts for the arrival of the Messiah. Advent is new to me, and it has brought a greater sense of awareness to me. As a child, I had always seen the Advent calendars, but not until having come here did I fully understand or appreciate its meaning and significance. There's always a rush to get to the climax of the story. Yet there's something beautiful that happens in the process of waiting. Advent is an idea of active waiting, of preparation, instead of passive waiting. If you ask any of my friends, they'll tell you that patience is not a strong fruit of mine. And no, I don't need you to pray for patience for me, please. And thank you. As we read earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Mary believed before there were signs of a birth shaping within her womb. And a blessing upon her was a direct result of her belief. Belief births blessing, which prepares us for the birthing. I believe that the Spirit of God is birthing something new in this season, even as we wait. Hope has risen anew on weary hearts, like the innocent dew that blankets itself upon the grass. Peace has emerged like the morning glimpses of light peeking gracefully over the horizon of a dark night that has brought forth a new day. Joy has burst forth like a shooting star, blazing a trail of glory across a deeply black sky. And now love. Love has sprung up like a fresh well in the drought of our desert-scaped souls, which leads us to today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, of love. In this prophecy from Micah, we find a messianic prophecy. And this prophecy, like all others similar in nature, are simply signposts. They point to one thing, the Messiah, Jesus. Signposts are only important based on one condition, however, your final destination. The end points. And sometimes along the way, we miss a turn. I recently drove up to the Chicago area to see family. It's a 17-hour drive straight through without stops, and I assure you, between myself and my sweet pup, we stop. A lot. And when you miss a turn with your lovely GPS, what happens? Says Rerouting. See, the Israelites were rerouted for quite a long time. 40 years of rerouting. But that's the beauty and the tension of Advent. It's so that we don't have to be rerouted in our journey of faith. Someone asked me the other day if I planned on living forever. <laughs> And in the middle of the last week of the semester with finals happening, I quickly replied, well, no. And I said, well, wait, yes, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> he laughed knowing I had fallen into the hole that he had dug for me. Because of signposts, 
If prophecies are merely signposts pointing to the Messiah, then I found myself wondering what my life or signpost was pointing towards. I sat in silence for a moment, feeling the weight of my life that has been so often squandered, making much ado about temporal things instead of eternity. In this particular passage from Micah, the people were caught within the tension between the already and the not yet. They are still in spiritual exile, having just returned from exile in Babylon. And there would be 400 years of silence between their return from exile and the coming of Christ, our Messiah. 400 years of spiritual exile, the conflict and the tension of the already and the not yet. And so we find ourselves today, though certainly God has not been silent for 400 years. Maybe we've had our ears full of the wrong voices for 400 years, but assuredly God has not been silent. We are 2,000 years on this side of Christ's birth, yet we eagerly await his return. See the tension between the already and the not yet. God graciously invites us to partner with him. Are we allowing his spirit to work in and through us? Or are we too busy writing our own stories? My life, your life, our lives, they're signposts. And signposts only matter if you know the end goal, the end destination. I um, was in Ohio for a family funeral a couple months back. And we got back to the hotel and my mom said, I left my purse at the restaurant. I said, it's okay, mom, I'll go get it. So I Googled the phone number. I said, hi, I was just there. We left a purse. Can I come get it? Sure, no problem. So I go and I get lost in the way and I pull up and it's pitch black. And I'm thinking, ah, I just called. We need the purse. So I pulled up my Google and it turns out I had inadvertently Googled the exact same name of the same restaurant in North Carolina. (laughs) (sighs) Signposts only matter if you know the end results, the end destination. What are our signposts pointing towards? Option one, me, myself, and I. Such is the case in a social media-driven society. Look at me, look at my cute dog. Not really, you should look at him. I try to bring him in here, but anyway. Look at my big house, look at my perfect life, look at my perfect family, look at my nice car. There's nothing wrong with celebrating the gifts that God has given us. But if that's all we're pointing towards, we've missed the mark. Option two for our signposts, mine included, fame and money. Are we squandering our lives, talents, and riches chasing after the next big thing? What does scripture say? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rest do not destroy 
Option three, doom and gloom. <laughs> this is kind of my signpost I struggle with. I'm an Enneagram six. I don't know if you've taken an Enneagram test. It's a personality test. But the Enneagram six, does anyone in here know you're an Enneagram six? Anyone? No? Okay. Well, I'll tell you, we are worst case scenario people. Like, we are prepared if there's a shooter that comes into the church or catches on fire. We are always planning the emergency escape and, and we're always waiting for the next, like, tornado. Um, I, it really got worse when I jumped in conspiracy theory rabbit holes <laughs> during COVID. Uh, but I, I'm just kind of wired that way. And sometimes the season of life that we find ourselves in, in the middle of COVID, kind of lends itself naturally to that, right? Everyone has experienced a lot of loss and death. There's no new normal. Do you remember what life was like pre-COVID? I have to think really hard. Because now we're asking questions, should I wear a mask, should I not, should I hug, should I shake a hand? And, and we're all kind of, the, the world is tense. Everyone is on the edge of their seats. You can see it in the grocery store. People's faces are tired and weary because everyone has lost a lot. No doubt precious friends of this church body in the last year. Signpost of doom and gloom. Where is the beauty and the broken? Where is the hope in the midst of uncertainty? I have often failed to point to these truths in my own struggle. Maybe our signpost could read, sin is fun. It's no big deal. We can turn and find grace when we are finished. Are we avoiding difficult conversations on sin to falsely comfort ourselves? Are we shying away from the truth of scripture so that we're careful not to offend others. Even Christ said, I have not come to bring peace, I have come to bring a sword. Maybe our signpost this morning would read, I am my own God. You do you, I do me. This is a popular one among young people today. You can't tell me what to do. You have no right to correct me. We've lost a sense of authority and accountability and respect. You uh, older people have probably recognized that with you today. Maybe our signpost this morning would read, someone else can do it. I'm busy. I don't have time. I don't have the money. That can be somebody else's thing. Maybe a signpost would read, power, pride, and idolatry. There are many different signposts that our lives could represent. And what's the danger of a poor signpost? Three things. One is we miss out on sharing the greatest message of the world. The greatest good news gospel message that Christ came to dwell among us and to save us from ourselves and our sin. A beautiful home pales in comparison to the beauty of Christ making his home among us. The second danger of a poor signpost is that we mislead others into danger. 
Our apathy towards our own sin enables others to be apathetic. Apathy is the new pandemic. Apathy breeds apathy. Nobody cares anymore. I want to care like Christ cared. The third danger of a poor signpost is we get lost along the way. Rerouting, rerouting. The circle is loading. It's like, if you don't hurry up and reroute, I'm going to end up somewhere. (laughs) Nobody likes a road trip that takes longer than what it's supposed to. Nobody likes being rerouted. Nobody likes having to learn the same lesson three, four, five, six times. It's always been about Jesus, only Jesus, always Jesus, nothing but Jesus. Our promised land is in Him. It's not in a place. It's in Him. And He broke through every barrier to ensure that His promise would be fulfilled and we would have everything we need. Everything we need, everything we want, everything we long for, everything we desire is found in Christ alone. You'll never find it in a home or a car or a paycheck, or a relationship, or some measure of fame or accomplishment. True satisfaction, true joy, true peace, true love, true hope is only found in Christ. I think we often lose our way and think of heaven as our promised land, which in some way it is. But what if our promised land were more about a person? Than a place? What if our lives became centered on seeking the heart of God over the hand of God? Because when you have his heart, you have his hand. Heaven, forever away, so I live how I want. This approach focuses on religion, not relationship. Life becomes merely a set of rules. And when the sign reads heaven far away, we squander the very gifts that God has given us. The other side is this, heaven, here and now, walking in the cool of the day with God and inviting others into that. This is, in fact, why Christ came. Emmanuel, God with me, God with you, God with us, and the rest is history, or as I like to say, his story. I want to close with a quote this morning by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, then I'll close in prayer. Says this, who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger. Whoever remains lowly and lets God alone be high, whoever looks at the child in the manger and sees the glory of God precisely in his lowliness, and that is the wonder of all wonders, that God loves the lowly. God is not ashamed of the loneliness of human beings. 
God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and broken. Signposts. What or who do our lives point to? Is heaven for you far away? Or is heaven here and now, walking daily with the God who gave everything to be with you? He loves you. He cares deeply about you. And his plans for you are good. God can always, always be trusted. I assure you, he knows what he is doing. Sovereign in all things, he is always good. He is always faithful. He always delivers on his word. Advent, a season of actively waiting and preparing our hearts. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word this morning. And I ask that you would tear down every signpost that is wrong. God, forgive us for wanting to write our own stories. Forgive us for missing the whole reason of this season that Jesus, you came to dwell among us and you love us so much you refuse to leave us the same. Christ, thank you for your example of lowliness. God, may you clothe us this season in your humility. God, may our lives that are lived out in public and especially in private be, be lives that point to you, Jesus, in all things and through all things. We honor you this morning. We love you. Thank you for coming to be with us. Thank you for giving up everything to dwell among us and to save us and to show us a better way. God, reroute every single one of us this morning who needs to be rerouted. In Jesus' name, amen.